0: Hi, sisters. We are back in Philippians. I am so excited. We are going to be going over Philippians chapter three, verses one through nine, and we will be doing this in a four-part series. Paul has so much to say about not resting in our works and our flesh for our salvation. And anything that we have lost In the salvation of christ if we've lost friends and family or we're getting persecuted or maybe you're being made fun of it is all worth it because we're going to see what great gain it is to follow jesus christ so grab your bibles and come on this journey with me or you can just listen while you're doing your daily tasks either way the word of god is going to start marinating in you right now family, welcome to God's Word Transforming Lives. Are you ready to dive deeper into your walk with Christ? Do you desire to learn His Word with a greater understanding that applies to your daily living? Do you feel like you're in a vicious cycle of victory and defeat? My name is Amy, and friend, I was so frustrated with my faith walk for decades. No matter what I did, I could not escape the symptoms that trauma from my childhood left me with. Not only that, I didn't seem to experience any victory that I read about in the Word of God. And even worse, I couldn't see it or experience it in my church life either. It all left me feeling even more confused and more empty. I knew Christ was the way and the truth and the life, and I knew His Word was the answer. So finally, one day, I got fed up with living in defeat. i became determined to find the jesus of scripture i discovered true faith in christ and had to unlearn much of what i had been taught with god's word and his spirit i have been free from anxiety post-traumatic stress disorder depression and suicidal thoughts for almost 15 years and i have learned a tool set to overcome my past trauma and losses God's word has transformed my life. If you are ready for truth and transformation, then hop into the slow cooker with me and let's marinate together in God's word. Did you know I have a free sisterhood community of women just like you? Women who love Jesus when they love one another. They too are looking for that deeper walk with Christ and they love learning his word. If you pause right now and click the link below in the show notes, it'll take you right to the Facebook group. We look forward to getting to know you. Okay, so we're going to keep going here. We're going to go into verses five and six. And we're going to talk about these different ways uh, that he says, find no confidence in the flesh. Because who are the true worshipers? The true worshipers are those who worship God from the heart of obedience to his word. That is literally what it means to be a true worshiper of God. We think of worship as singing a psalm or a hymn or doing the, you know, ecstatic worship and getting the goosey bumpies and all of that, being somewhere on a Sunday for two hours, but that is not what God says is worship. Worship to Him comes from the Greek word latitriyo. It means to render respectful spiritual service to go beyond songs and singing it's about daily obedience to serving god that backs up romans 12 1 through 2 where paul says man i am begging you guys here i beseech you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy for this is your reasonable service It's about daily sacrifice, worshiping God daily in our lives, being obedient to the word of God. Those are true worshipers. Those are truly those who are worshiping Jesus in spirit and truth are those that have laid their lives down for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Their bodies have become a living sacrifice, separated for holiness on a daily basis. Now within that sure we pray we worship to songs we do these things but it is lifestyle worship is a lifestyle. Okay. So now we're going to go in to verses 5 and 6 cuz I wanted to, I didn't address that definition of worship and I wanted to address that with you. All right, so he's saying listen I have the I have all the confidence if if it comes down to the flesh is how we get our salvation then that I I'm the one that has all the confidence for that. And so we're going to go over some things that he puts in what he used to think was what made him right with God. And we'll see that in Romans seven, where he, man, he, he, he talks about in the first half of seven about, you know, he thought his adherence to the law and all the things that he was doing made him okay. And that he was going to be all right because all of his confidence was in the flesh. So he's going to break it down. He's like, here's things that I had, I was circumcised on the eighth day. So he's going, I had the ceremonies and the rituals down. I I was literally born a Jew. And I, even to the eighth day, I was circumcised. And he's saying, but that can't save you. Ceremonies and rituals don't save us. Baptism doesn't save us. Doing all these things do not save us. Making sure we show up to church every time the doors are open doesn't save us. Going to every Bible study doesn't save us. Feeding the homeless doesn't save us. Nothing like that is gonna save us. These rituals, you know, baby baptism cannot save you. It, it cannot save you. It, it, is, it is faith, faith alone in Christ alone. And so he's saying, I but I I had that. I had the, I did that, but that didn't save me. And he goes on to say, I was of the stock of Israel. I was the stock of Israel, but yet his nationality or his race could not save him. It wasn't enough to save him. See, we can sometimes put our confidence in the fact that you know i was raised in a christian home i was born in america i whatever we think oh maybe you think because you are jewish that you somehow have a more elite status or whatever i don't know what we put our our faith in but race or nationality are not save you it is not what saves you and he was of the true nation of israel He was a pure Jew. He was not a proselyte. He didn't come in and then give himself over to the Jewish uh, nation. He was born a Jew. So he says, so he is the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. So he's saying here, listen, I can't even pull position or rank. I'm literally of the tribe of Benjamin, which was considered the most noble tribe of all the tribes. Literally, um, Because the Jews had been exiled so often and for so long, most Jews did not even know what tribe they were even from anymore, or there had been so much intermingling with pagans that there was so much compromise. So for Paul to be able to say, I literally know what tribe I'm actually from was actually rare back then, because by then a lot of that had been lost and muddied. And he's saying, not, not only is he able to tell people what tribe he was from, which was Benjamin, but he's also saying I was from the most noble noble tribe, the tribe that King Saul came through, the tribe that you know uh, Mordecai was a part of, who with Esther you know saved the genocide of the Jews in the Book of Esther. You know, so much came through uh, the tribe of the tribe of Benjamin, and to be a part of that tribe was considered to be very noble. And so the fact that Paul knew where he came from. And that he came from Benjamin. I mean, that was really, that's high ranking stuff right there. That's a high position. You know, that's like saying that, you know, we come from the line of Billy Graham or Charles Spurgeon or, you know, pick somebody who, you know, we would think is, wow, you're the granddaughter of John MacArthur. You know, you're the great, great granddaughter of, you know, whoever. That doesn't save us. That doesn't make us more, you know, that we're s- somehow have a more righteousness in us or or somehow have a better connection to God. And that's what Paul's saying here. And he's saying, that's not what makes me born again believer in Jesus Christ. And he's gonna go further in that. But so often we can put too much emphasis on these fleshy things talk to so many people where i'll be like are you a christian oh yeah i'm a christian my great grandfather or my grandfather or my dad's a pastor okay but what are you and they really think well i was raised in church and my dad's a pastor but there's no evidence in their life at all that they're truly born again or that they're living a life for jesus christ they are banking on the fact that their dad is a pastor or their grandpa was a pastor or their parents were missionaries or whatever they're they're banking on that i've talked to so many people through the years that have that is what they'll say that's the first thing they say oh yeah i was raised in church my grand my dad's a pastor okay well that's that's confidence in the flesh that you are going to make it to heaven not on the merit of jesus christ and the fact that you repented and put your faith in him so let's keep moving. So he says, I am also a Hebrew of Hebrews. So now he's imploring, I've got tradition here. I'm not, I am, I am truly a line of Benjamin. I was born, I was raised in the Jewish traditions. I have, I literally never even allowed the Greek culture to permeate me. He literally could speak and write and read Hebrew which a lot of the Jews had been Hellenized or they had allowed the Greek culture to come in and, and, and kind of blend with their, their theology or their culture or the way they were living. A lot of them spoke in Greek, wrote in Greek, and they were, they were just very, um, Hellenized is what we call them, the Hellenistic Jews. And he's saying, I'm not a Hellenistic Jew. I am literally the Hebrew of Hebrews. I spoke Hebrew. I learned Hebrew. I end up learn. I even learned right at the seat of Gamaliel, or Gamel, who literally was high teacher Pharisee. And he's like, I got to sit there and learn the law. I learned the traditions. I learned the extra traditions. Right? Remember, the Pharisees had added all these traditions to the religion, which Jesus rebuked them for. And he's saying, I. So I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I literally eat. Eat, sleep, and breathe—you know the Hebrew culture and everything that it stood for. And he goes on to say, "But my salvation's not in that." So concerning the law, as a Pharisee, so he's saying, "Listen, even my religious standing as a Pharisee—to be a Pharisee meant you were literally you were at the highest extreme. You were at the you were the elite of the elite." He knew the law. He lived by the law. He knew the traditions and lived by the traditions. He knew all the extra extra traditions that were all added to the law. And he became a Pharisee. He became one of the elite statuses. He kept the traditions, the laws, the rituals. He kept everything. And Pharisees back then, they were the top-notch. They literally were the most respected. They literally had the most influence and power among the people. They were very zealous for obedience and adherence to the law and to their traditions. And they kept, they walked a straight and narrow road, at least in a public way. You know, of course, Paul says the inside of your cups are really dirty, and you guys are dead man's bones. But on the outside, they made it look really good. And this was Paul, so he's saying here: Listen, I don't care if I was a Pharisee. This is not what saves me. Being a part of this elite stat status, being you know, have money and power and prestige and respect, you know, that didn't save him. And. We look at that when we think of, um, you know, the president of the United States or somebody who is a professor at a great university, or maybe you're a pastor, a pastor, or a, well, if you're a pastor, you're probably not watching this, but maybe, you know, like like a pastor and they have a church of like, you know, 5,000 people that is not going to save you. And if you're banking on the fact that because you're a pastor or because you are a dean of a Christian college or because you are whatever, that does not save you. These are works of the flesh. And that's what he's, he's breaking down here. He goes on to say, man, verse six, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. He was like, I even sincerity does not save you. There are a lot of people that Jesus talks about in Matthew 7, 21 through 23 that have sincere faith. Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things? There's going to be a lot of really sincere people. To say Lord, Lord twice means they really mean it. They really meant like Lord, Lord, like these are professing Christians. These are people who believe that they are born again. These are people who believe that they are following Jesus. Only to be greatly disappointed that they were following a false Jesus. A Jesus that was not of scripture. And they were not obedient to the word. And they did it their own way. And they, he says, I never knew you. And we're going to talk about that more here later. But he wants you to understand that he was zealous for his faith to the point that he persecuted Christians. He killed Christians in the name of God, because he really believed that what he was doing was right. He would take Christians, men and women, out of their homes and put them in prison and then testify against them to be put on trial so them be, to then be stoned. He was there when Stephen the martyr was stoned and he was a part of that. Yes, take him out. And he may, maybe even threw some of the stones at him. And he had a reputation as being a persecutor of the way, which is what we were called back then, the Christians, the way. He was, he had a reputation of somebody who was zealous to find every person that was following these teachings of Jesus Christ and persecute them. To the point that he got letters written so that he could take them, what, on the road to Damascus. Remember, that's what he was on his way to do, to go find more people following the way so that he could persecute them and imprison them and then ultimately have them killed. And that's literally what he was on his way doing when Christ came to him on the road of Damascus. So the point is, sincerity does not save us, friends. Sincerity cannot save us. There's a lot of sincerely wrong people that profess Christ. Mormons are sincere about their faith and that they follow Jesus. But when you break down their theology, you break down who they say Jesus is, you break down what they're teaching about Jesus, it is a completely different gospel and a completely different Jesus. They are sincerely wrong jehovah witnesses are sincerely wrong they don't believe that jesus is god they don't believe that um there's a hell and eternal damnation they, they 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 believe jesus is an art is archangel michael and and their their watchtower is their final authority not the word of god and then they went and changed the Bible to fit their theology because they knew that the Bible didn't fit their theology. And so now they have their own Bible. Mormons did the same thing. They didn't change the Bible, but they have a book, the, the Book of Mormon, which supersedes the Bible. And just like Satan, they twist scriptures. They twist the word to make it say something it didn't really say. It's the age old deception from the garden. Did God really say, and if he can get us to do that. We think of the Hebrew Israelites, many of the word of faith and the new apostolic reformation, you know, even Orthodox Christians, there are, or they, they believe, they they intellectually believe the right things, but their heart has not been transformed, right? So these are different things. These are going to be the people that stand in that line that say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all of these things in your name? We did it in your name. We really believed we were sincere, and he says, depart from me. I never knew you. You're workers of lawlessness. What does Paul say here? You are evil workers. You are dogs. You can say the name Jesus all you want. But if it is not the Jesus of scripture, if it is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a different gospel, no matter how you sugarcoat it, no matter how good you make it look, no matter how good you make it sound, no matter how many followers you have, if you are preaching a different Jesus, you are an evil worker and a dog. And you are going to find yourself in eternal damnation. And this is why we have to know the word of God for ourselves and know who you're following, know the teachers that you're allowing to teach you. What do they believe who Jesus is? This is why it's so important to be discipled by, by Titus men and women that can rightly divide the word of God because the deception is so great as Jesus warned us, it would be during this era That even the elect or even the saints can be deceived if it were possible. And the deception is so great. I have never seen so much deception in all my life. I cannot believe how far we have come from biblical Christianity. And how mainstream Christianity looks nothing like biblical Christianity. And to even try to point it out, the persecution is intense. And so please read the word for yourself. Know the word for yourself. Study and show yourself approved as a good workman unto God. Our flesh will not save us. These great things are not going to save us. Even our sincerity will not save us. It is not a sincere faith, the right faith that's in Jesus Christ. I have a teaching on that from Romans 5. And the, the last thing he says here, where he says, my salvation So he says, persecuting the church concerning the righteousness, which is the law in the law left me blameless now. So this is works righteousness. He's, he's summing it all up here. He's saying to the outside looking in, I looked blameless. Now he's not talking about sinless because he knew in Romans seven that he had sin and that he, he was not blamed. He was, he was still sinning. And it's actually when he finally reflected his sin against the law, he realized I'm in deep trouble here because there's not enough sacrifices out there that can cover my sin. I need a savior. I need the Messiah. This is works righteousness. This is where we feel like we can do all these things to make up for the sin in our lives. Well, I go to church, I pay a 10% tithe. I do all these things. You know, and that is not going to save us. Paul was blameless. He kept the law. He kept the traditions. He did all the sacrifices. He spoke in Hebrew. He was a Pharisee. He did everything that he thought in his mind would keep him safe from judgment of God. But sadly, it was all deadly because it, he was so deceived by it into the thinking that he was right in God's eyes. That's what religious works do too. They deceive us into thinking that because we're doing all these things or because our dad is a pastor or because we're raised in a Christian home or because we go to church or we go work at the food pantries or, you know, we walk grandma across the street or whatever it is. It is such a blinding deception and it damns the soul and it, it can put us under a strong delusion that Jesus talks about in second Thessalonians two, nine through 11 where it says he puts you under a strong delusion. So you think you're saved when you're not actually saved because you refuse to believe the truth. Paul would not see the truth of Jesus Christ as it, he stood there in front of him, whether Paul ever saw Jesus or not before, Um, Jesus was crucified or whether, you know, know, how old Paul was. I don't, I don't know, but he refused the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ until Jesus came and showed himself to him. And then he saw and he was completely transformed. And he realized that all of these traditions, all of these rituals, all of these things that he did, he counted it rubbish. He counted it as nothing because he realized none of it could save him. And he laid it all down for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to lay down anything that we think is of the flesh, that's got us saved, keeping us saved, or going to keep us saved, or is keeping us in right standing with God. None of that is keeping us in right standing with God. It is faith alone In Christ alone, lest any man should boast. And we need to have a true saving faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Family, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor, if you would. Head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review. That would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's word. Again, don't forget, guys. Until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for His good work. Grace and peace I leave with you until next time.